1: Okay, that is definitely... We both see that, right? Yeah. That's recording. That's that's recording, okay? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. This is a video game podcast where we talk about uh, things. Just what in, no.
3: It's a things podcast. It's a
1: things podcast where we talk about things, things specifically of the video game variety. Exactly. Before we go any further, Peter, yeah. this uh, this podcast, this episode, I should say, is sponsored by uh, Kratos's beard oil. It is um, for when you for when you really for when you really need to just get mad at, uh, at your son. It's at your son. Uh, it's full of um, micro angers. Uh, It's a new testosterone. Testosterone, full, just chock full of testosterone. Full of this new, newly discovered micro anger, that really gets the gets the job done. The job of war. Thank you to Kratos Beard Oil for being this week's. real sponsor. They're going to be. they're going to be really pleased with that That was that a good ad read form, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I read that. That's how it was written down on my paper here. Yeah. So uh, anyway uh, what we're going to be doing this week Peter is we'll we'll be answering some questions from people at home. Uh, talking about what we play in. Yeah. Which is a silly segment that I can't believe exists. Mad. It's so groundbreaking. There'll be some weird news and a big discussion at the end of the show. Let's kick it off with a question though Peter. This is a question from Ryan Griffin. 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 With
3: the release of Erasing Kratos and, and the Bid oil a company well, yeah, product. Yeah. A uh, if you could pick a game or developer studio to have a documentary made about them or a specific game, uh, what would you pick
1: and why? This was something I question. wanted to talk about, Peter, because I just started watching this documentary last night. It's a two-hour-long documentary. Is it the telltale one? No. Oh no! It was produced by PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Raising Kratos. Is, oh, is yeah. it the Telltale one? Okay. God, this guy. Well, there's the Telltale one there too. There is the Telltale one. That's the Telltale, Telltale tell, tell,
3: tell one too. That one's done by Noclip. Also Just the way watching. that you s- it w- led with that sentence sounded like something that we hadn't yet talked about. The question says Raising Kratos, and you said, yeah, I was watching this documentary this, this documentary. Yeah, this night. documentary. Oh, you mean this one? This one. On the pa- Raising
1: meant- Kratos, the one we we're I was being asked about. watching
3: a documentary last night, and you were about to reveal what no, it was. No, I meant this, this as in this one.
1: specific documentary. This. I was, <clears throat> Peter, hmm. I was watching Raising Kratos last night. Oh, okay. I've seen about uh, half an hour of it. Uh, It's two hours long. It's produced by PlayStation, and they had the foresight to basically document the development from God of War all the way from 2013 through to now. And it is absolutely fascinating, not least because this is... Especially video game companies, I feel like they do not really like to publicize failures in their past. So even EA in response to Star Wars Battlefront said we've heard you loud and clear you know that lots of them will say we've heard you loud and clear they yeah. won't say we effed up we know that last um, time we did the, all
3: these things wrong you yeah know,
1: they don't tend to but they actively put in right at the start the sort of little montage leading into the beginning of the documentary they put in how just clips from reviews about how disappointed people were with God of War Ascension Right. and it said oh you know it's it's the the dipping of a of a once beloved franchise and stuff like that and I just thought that's so bizarre i mean it's appropriate for the story you know the the rise of kratos yeah. to back up to to mainstream popularity again but like it's so weird to see playstation specifically actually embracing sort of failures in in the in their past i guess because God of War has just done
3: it so well. They are in a position to do that. If, yeah. if God of War had come out, I mean, the most recent one, obviously, if it had come out and just been okay, mm-hmm. then maybe you wouldn't also want to draw attention to the fact that, oh yeah, you know that okay game that we just released? That was mm. off, the, off the back of that bad game. Yeah, it could have been I, worse. I don't think Ascension was... was dire but no no absolutely you know not. compared to the other god of war games it was a bit of a fall from grace
1: no okay. I, I just thought that was really interesting and you're right obviously the whole reason that, that we're even seeing this is because it's incredible yeah. but obviously they it wasn't an easy development cycle no and it's all been chronicled here and the the fact that they thought we should get a documentary crew for this makes it really interesting and it, you know it, it catalogues four or five years of of these Mm. people's lives putting this game together and it's really really interesting and definitely definitely worth watching
3: it's just as well the game did so well because otherwise Mm -hmm. imagine spending all that money on just the documentary on the side just all the filming and hiring the crews and then editing it together and stuff and then the game (laughs) just didn't sell very well and no one was interested in the making of a game that that didn't you know, perform particularly well in,
1: on the shelves. You yeah, know? Uh, I mean, it would have been a considerable investment anyway. But I would, I would imagine that if if the game got canned at some point, the documentary would have ended. Yeah, and of it's course. still yeah. been an additional, you know, year and a bit since the game came out. Yeah, true, um, true. But yeah, an incredible game and and an amazing documentary. So everyone should go and watch that if you're just interested in game development. Mm. It's really fascinating. Um, but Ryan asks, what documentary would you like uh, to to be made? about a certain studio or a certain
3: game or something like that? Yeah, I think other than... Obviously, I think any one of us would say that they'd love to see a super detailed documentary about their Mm favourite X, you know, game or movie or or book even, you know, the process of writing a book. Um, But, you know, other than just listing off my favourite games, which I've done multiple times in various (laughs) videos, I think I'd quite like to see how Rockstar work with their massive, with GTA 5 and RDR2 particularly, you Mm -hmm. know, just what we heard about how the development process of of Red Dead was going down, particularly in those last few months uh, before it was ready to go gold. Um, You know, that sounds, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that studio. It might not be a particularly enjoyable experience to watch that and just see Mm. how some people were probably really overworked and a bit concerned about, their health and you know stuff like that but uh it would be certainly interesting and equally you mentioned ea you know i would love to know the actual conversations that go on behind closed doors in terms of canning ragtag mm-hmm. um but then being happy to bring out the uh the the jedi fallen order you know right um so certainly from that perspective i'd love to see Not necessarily the development of EA games, but, like, the boardroom meetings that take place. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's not quite a a full documentary that I would necessarily watch. But, yeah, certainly the Rockstar endeavors of the past few years. Those those games are just so enormous. I'd be fascinated to even know how you keep a team... All pulling in the right direction with mm-hmm. with that much stuff going on, like yeah. the the line of command must alone, like the diagrams of you know who's
1: responsible for yeah, what, yeah, just must be bizarre to look at. But no, what about you? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's what makes this question so fun is mm-hmm. <laughs> because a documentary that actively shows rock stars poor working conditions yeah. would probably never be made no of course But it's something you'd like to see mm. and by the same token i'd like to see a documentary for a game that turned out terribly oh, like yeah, aliens colonial marines oh, i would really love to see a documentary about That's that good point but you know on the and again wish fulfillment mm. on a on a similar scale to this raising kratos documentary where it isn't just like even though it's very good, the no-clip documentary that's just come out about uh, Telltale, they speak to four former employees mm. about their experiences there and then just fill the rest of it with sort of B-roll and footage of the games and stuff like that. And it's fan- fantastic and really paints a picture of what it was like to work there and what it was like and what everyone went through when they just suddenly closed God, yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, like two, 250, 300 people just lost their jobs on the same day mm. it just went. Um, but... It's not quite the same as being able to document the whole process like it would be if it was a film, for example. If it was like a fake documentary, if it was a film dramatizing real life events, um, that's the kind of thing you'd like to see, isn't it? Because no one has the foresight to know they're suddenly going to close in a year's time. Let's document this year. No, it's
3: like occasionally on Netflix, you'll see there's like two or three documentaries where just by sheer luck, there happened Mm -hmm. to be film crews following what they thought was going to be like a fairly mundane... I watched it. It wasn't Netflix, actually. It was like a a terrestrial UK TV channel. It was like Channel 4 or something did this thing where a film crew had been following just what was going to be... They thought was going to be a a fairly simple murder, if there can be such a thing. Right. Um, just
1: a standard killing. Just a,
3: a regular old, you know. I think they just thought it was going to be like. There's a lot of domestic abuse in murder, and they thought it was right. just going to be something like that, some altercation. And it turned out to be this bizarre case that they were like, "We're so lucky we had a, a film crew right. following it from literally the moment it was phoned in to filming every witness and wow. everything." So yeah, if you could have a documentary crew who happened to be around, if you had
1: the foresight.
3: Yeah, if you <laughs> knew months ahead, or if you, yeah, if you got lucky, then there's all sorts of things
1: that would be pretty interesting to. See see um, yeah from the inside so i'd like that i'd like to see something like aliens colonial marines from mm-hmm. the beginning of the project to the end and actual you know no randy pitchford bs like actual people boots on the ground yeah. in the studio like like we're they're talking about farming out to another studio We've been caught farming it out to another studio. Randy's just lied about us farming it out to another (laughs) studio. We've been sued for for lying about farming it out to another studio. We've gotten out of the lawsuit for for lying. Sega's taken the fall for some reason. Yeah, that would be fascinating. Equally, a cancelled game. Uh, Something that just got cancelled, like Ragtag. um, Or, you know, um, P.T., the yeah. Game oh, that yeah, Kojima was working on uh, Silent, so you know Silent Hills. Were. Sorry, Silent Hills, and yeah. so it's called. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Um, time or splinters. Time Splitters. Cool. Yeah, or a game like Half Life Three. Just, yeah. just sort of an in-depth documentary about what the hell is happening at some of these really secretive
3: companies. Yeah, like what has been decided, what hasn't been decided, what rumors are true. Yeah. You know, whether there have been any meetings other than, like, maybe they had a meeting, like, six years ago and said, right, we're not doing it. Just so everyone knows, everyone in an executive position in this company knows, we're not doing it. It's never happening. And then mm-hmm. since then, they've never done anything. Or do they actually have meetings,
1: like, every six months? Like, Shall we? Yeah. Is it Shall time? Maybe yeah. I, think it's, I think it's pretty much common knowledge now that Valve just doesn't make games anymore. Yeah. But it would still be really interesting to know the truth behind what happened Mm -hmm. between them making games and then not making games, which sort of, you know... Peter out. Especially since these ago. Pretty much of like
3: they do so well at it, you know? Like yeah. Portal 1 and 2 are fantastic. They've lost so
1: many key stuff though Half-Life's just, so just because they're not making these games. Yeah. But that's a documentary I'd like to see. Mm. Uh please go and watch the Raising Kratos and the Telltale documentaries. They're on YouTube. One's on PlayStation, one's on a brilliant website called No Clip uh, YouTube channel called NoClip. Mm-hmm. Um so if you're interested, go and watch those. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, proud patron, we should mention. All question. of these questions are coming from patrons, Patreon.com. Forward slash team triple jump. Thank you Raza. Ben, yeah. It's time to discuss, yeah.
3: The video games at which with with which we sit down on a sofa yeah. in
1: front of a television yeah. and engage yeah? in the act of playing oh. on an evening no. or a weekend. Shut up. It's time for what we play in Peter. It is. It's a it's a thing where we talk about what we play playing what N- are we playing? No. Peter, how's Spider Man?
3: Uh Spider Man is really good. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. Um I've actually not got much further in the story since last podcast because i am just spending so much time doing fun Collecting things. Collecting backpacks. Well, I, I collect
1: Taking photos of Doctor Strange's house and the the Wakanda
3: embassy. Well, exactly. I did like all those sorts of things. And then I knew there were like more things to unlock because you can see on the on the map of the overworld yeah. that um, there's a bunch of things like greyed out that like, oh, you can't... You don't have these icons yet because you've not unlocked it. And I did like two more story missions and then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, Pete, there's like all these research stations on the tops of buildings yeah. that uh, harry osborne has uh, has left so do you want to go
1: and do those now yeah you go and do those and there's yeah. loads of those to do um here's a quick question for you yeah is it nice playing a game where you are named uh, you you have the same name i was oh, saying so you're named after the main character hey pete you have the same name as the main character yeah it's pretty uh i certainly
3: get my maybe do you think like there's a sign if you're able to measure it do you think scientifically my ears perk up several nanoseconds faster than yours do Maybe. when he says hey Pete I'm like yeah
1: all, all I can do is wear the Scarlet Spider costume mm-hmm. because that was the Ben Reilly Spider-Man right. and okay. that's the closest I can come to being Spider-Man like, I'll wearing... never be Peter no well no sadly not well you could be you could change your name that would be confusing wouldn't yeah, it yeah it would be really we're confusing. Peter and Peter yeah the two Peters, um, just a couple of Wilsons. I've been wearing the uh, Sam Raimi costume since yes. almost the beginning. Oh, as soon as as soon as that was patched in, yeah, I I went back to that game. Such and a good suit. Got it in, yeah, it's good.
3: I um, will tell you what, I am enjoying as well. It's sort of, I I think last time I talked about this game, I did bring up the PS2 games, the Spider Man and Spider Man Two Sam Raimi adaptations. Yeah um on ps2 something that i'm enjoying about the insomniac spider-man game that reminds me of those games is just sort of random random kind of boss fights with other spider-man comic book villains that mm. you know there's not just like some uh final boss who you maybe encounter several times throughout the game and have sort of you know a few scuffles with but ultimately you're not going to take them down till the end it's like yeah. no i've already fought shocker twice and spoilers and uh, <laughs> it's know, been a year it's been a year and I I I doubt that I can see that like he's linked to the narrative he's not just been thrown in for fun mm. but I can I can tell that like he's he's really just a sub
1: character that they've thrown that's in that's so what can, the Arkham games did so well wasn't yeah it, exactly as well. Yeah. because if it was you're right if it was just a movie adaptation mm. although the the PS2 games did a better job obviously yeah. but if it was just a movie adaptation you'd probably be following one maybe two villains through the main story yeah. and just have sort of I don't know tiered crime families to take down and you Mm -hmm. have that as well yeah but you also have basically the entire sinister six yeah uh spider-man sinister six Mm -hmm. uh, barring a few which is awesome yeah so i I don't remember exactly what the the boss scene
3: was in the spider-man 2 game on ps2 but certainly the spider-man 1 you you fought a bunch of characters that weren't in the movie you fought vulture uh you fought shocker Mm -hmm. a couple of times uh scorpion was in there as well um, and that's that's what I enjoyed about that game so much, and uh, it's nice to be doing that again because I'm pretty sure the amazing Spider-Man games were a bit more tied towards the movies. They didn't have right. a bunch of extras schleem. thrown in, yeah, a bunch of schleem. Mm. So um, yeah, that's that's what I'm enjoying. I'm just still swinging around the city, having a lot of fun, uh, doing all the the side side bits. Nice, um, not developed the the story that much further and i'm enjoying bumping into
1: just comic book characters mm. that you know you don't necessarily expect are going to be in there i remember watching the trailer for marvel spider-man mm. uh, before it came out a couple of years ago i can't remember which conference it was at it might have been playstation experience or e3 but it was the one where they suddenly suddenly just revealed that oh by the way it's not just this mr negative guy mm. here's five brightly colored supervillains. and I was like oh my this oh, is yeah. amazing they all
3: like beat him up in yeah. the same trailer yeah and it's
1: like oh god this game instantly got elevated from I'm definitely playing this to I need it now yeah I need it now yeah, that's what brilliant. I thought because
3: like I was like who's this who's this negative man he just looks like mm. an inverted color person like, and he's he's a really is. he's a really good
2: villain as mm. well like yeah. in the
1: game he plays he, he plays a really important role
2: but so. I
3: was like I don't I don't have any particular i don't really have any knowledge or attachment to this villain as a as a fun cool comic book villain and then right. it's like oh hang on here's all these others here's all the
1: friends yeah the,
3: su- the super villain friends so i'm still really enjoying it and i I might be talking about it for the next couple of podcasts i might just try and scatter in a, f- a few other games in my next <laughs> next month or so so i'm not just talking about spider-man but yeah it's great what about Excellent. you, Ben? What
1: are you playing? Uh well, I just came off a weekend of playing a great deal of Dark Souls 2, which is my least favorite Dark Souls game. Yeah. Uh, Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin, which was the re-release for PS4 mm-hmm. with all with all the DLCs and uh, a shiny, shiny, sometimes very off-putting, 60 frames per second. Okay. <laughs> it's a bit weird sometimes. Um, so yeah, I'm not the, I like Dark Souls 2 fine. Mm-hmm. I I I enjoy it. You know, compare it to other games in general, and I'd say it's an excellent game compared to other Dark Souls games, and I would say it's not that great. Right. Um, but I want to get the Platinum Trophy, and so did my friend. Mm-hmm. And the Platinum Trophy for these games usually involves collecting all of the pyromancies for one, all of the sorceries for another, all of the, in this game, all of the hexes and all of the miracles. And usually those require either multiple playthroughs or definitely following a guide mm-hmm. to get them all in one go, uh, because you get them from certain NPCs or side quest lines that because it's Dark Souls can just come and go because you looked at a person yeah. wrong and then that's it. Mm-hmm. You've screwed up your save file, basically. Um and there were a couple of others as well for completing NPC quest lines that usually involve, for these last two anyway, they involved uh, exhausting all their dialogue at certain locations throughout the game. And when you exhaust their dialogue, they'll then appear in the next place. Okay. And then once you've done that, you can then summon them in for certain boss fights to help you out um, as an AI partner and you have to summon them in for three boss fights. And we're like, ah, oh, okay, fine. So we're going to have to do a new new playthrough with basically a spreadsheet to make sure we get all the, all the stuff that we need to get. And then on top of that, we've got to remember that we've got to talk to this person in this place and this person in this place and make sure we do all that in one go. Right. But fortunately, because Dark Souls 2 is Dark Souls 2, we were able to load our completed save files. And you can start a new game plus and all that kind of stuff. Okay. But, you know, at the end of the game, basically. And we found both of them uh, in basically locations we'd neglected to exhaust their dialogue. Okay. So we we're able to go and speak to them at all these locations that we needed to, and then you can do you can use an item in uh, Dark Souls Two called a bonfire ascetic, and what it does is you burn it at the bonfire, and in that area it brings all the enemies back to life, including the boss, and basically elevates elef- elef- elevates that zone to new game plus. Okay. And if you bu- if you then go defeat the boss and come back burn it again, it elevates it to new game plus plus. Right. So basically we were able to sort of cheese these boss fights we hadn't that we already finished um, and summoning these guys in oh, by I see. by putting it up to new game plus by burning this thing, summoning them in and then doing that twice more. And then we were able to get the trophy for finishing their quest line without having to start a new game mm-hmm. and worry about all that stuff. <sighs> So basically, it was a weekend of following a spreadsheet. Yeah. Now we have about we're halfway through New Game Plus. We have about uh, maybe ten things left to collect. Okay. But it, it essentially involves us playing through another time and a half of this game. Right. So it's going to take a little while, but that's basically what my mission is at the moment: is to get the platinum in Dark Souls Two. Mm-hmm. It's within reach now. Yeah. Because I've I've mapped it all out like a big nerd, mm-hmm. um, and. That once I've got that I will have the Platinum Trophy for Dark Souls remastered, Dark Souls Two remastered, mm. Dark Souls Three, Bloodborne, and Demon's Souls. Okay. I and didn't... then you'll never play Dark Souls Two ever again. Never probably never again. I didn't I didn't get the uh the platinum trophy for dark souls one and two on ps3 Mm -hmm. but i will have got them on ps4 so anyway that's that's basically what i've been playing is is just going for a mad trophy run on dark souls 2 and and i'm close peter best of luck i'm nearly there thank you i'm so close to the prize at the end of the road Well, we've got a question that you can read.
3: That's probably easier than getting the Dark Souls 2 Platinum. Okay,
1: it probably is. It'll be over sooner anyway. Yeah. Stephen Scodes asks, Hello, Ben and Peter. Hi. What do you think about the popularity of Battle Royale games? With such hits as PUBG and H1Z1, it seems like everyone loves these games. I have even, I'm sorry, I heard even Fallout 76 is including a Battle Royale mode in a future update. Keep up the awesome content, and I'm very proud to be a patron of you guys. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Do you have much experience with battle royale games? You don't play many multiplayer
3: games do. I'm not you? I'm not really interested in battle royale games in the same and for kind of the same reasons that I'm not well not for the same reasons but like I I look at battle royale games the same way I look at MOBAs which is just it's with not with contempt. Yeah, with contempt. <laughs> um no like I I can kind of I don't know if I can actually understand why they're so popular. I, I'm not suggesting that like it should be a really unpopular format, mm. but I don't see why it's taken the world by storm. You know, yeah. I don't know why Fortnite is just like absolutely—they're just printing money at this point. Um, but yeah, like I mean, I'm not a big multiplayer gamer anyway, um, so I don't—I don't play competitively. But if I do play competitively, I prefer to play on teams. Right. So I'd rather play like Rocket League or like a team deathmatch on something than, say I was playing an FPS online, I would v- very rarely choose the sort of lone wolf, every man for himself, free for all option. Right. Um, and so a Battle Royale, just by definition, is not really for me. Um, yeah. yeah,
1: I would never play a Battle Royale game by myself either. Most Most of them do have teams. Uh, team modes available. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, but yeah, even so, so. I'm, I'm, I would I would never play a battle royale game yeah. solo. That's just that's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's not necessarily by virtue of the just the game mode of battle royale, which I do think in and of itself is, is a really novel and fun idea. Mm. You know, like dumping a load of players in a map with a circle closing and just saying last person or last team standing wins. Yeah, like, that's a cool idea. I like that. But I think it was just a case of one game, PUBG did it really really well and then Fortnite copied it mm. made it more accessible and colorful and exploded in popularity i don't think it's so much the game mode that's doing really well i think it's just two games have done really well yeah, that happen so. to feature battle royale modes i've got nothing against them personally i've i've enjoyed the the bits of apex that i've played with friends i tried fortnite once a few years ago when it was first getting really popular and it wasn't for me, mm-hmm. I've never played PUBG just because I never had anything that it was on and now it's out on PS4, yeah. it's kind of too late, kind mm-hmm. of missed the boat there really, um, but I'm, I'm glad that people enjoy them, you know, I think it's a great format and I think it's it's a mode that complements a game mm. rather than, you know, you would have to really create something very, very special for your game just to be a Battle Royale game. Yeah. Um, you know, Call of Duty did fantastically. Black Ops 4 had uh, Blackout, which mm. was their Battle Royale mode, but that complemented, you know, a, a bigger game. And I think that's the way to do it. If you're going to do a Battle Royale mode now, you've got to have a really, really good idea and a lot of money to market it if you want it to stand tall yeah. among everyone else. No, definitely. Um, I'll I'd, I'd happily have, like, an Uncharted 5 that just has a battle royale mode as a multiplayer mode yeah. like that would be fun why not it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a mode at the end of the day i don't think it's i don't think it there's enough going for it for it to stand on its own as as a game I think that especially especially it has when the to the competition now is just so high. It's it's just, you know, it's it's ridiculous how how well Epic has done. You're right though. when you when you
3: mentioned PUBG. I remember that actually when that first came out. I did think that that was a, a really cool format and I was like, "Oh yeah, hats off to the guy." I still I don't think I quite understood because that was an overnight hit as well. Yeah. I don't think I quite understood the sudden like spike in popularity
1: we had it. someone wanting to make a video on it for what culture gaming and we yeah. were like
3: what what
1: is this? what is this like, what are you I talking about he was about like it. yeah
3: it's got like a million players overnight like, or what? something <laughs> what, what do you mean <laughs> yeah. um but yeah like, when i heard about what it was i was like okay yeah that's that's an interesting format like just being dropped in and scavenging that sounds fun you know finding your own little place to hide out but you can't stay there too long mm-hmm. um but yeah i think like now that it's it's just become this thing that is it, it just seems less innovative now and it's less unique and i think that was partly what i thought was interesting about pubg it was it was a fairly new and unique concept but now that there are so many battle royale mm-hmm. uh either modes or games out there yeah uh yeah i'm not it doesn't really excite me at all. So If you
1: enjoy them, then, then good for you. I know a lot of people do. I've got nothing against them. Yeah. I, I I really love the idea as a, as a format, but yeah, as we've said, I think it complements a larger game. Yeah. Uh, I think it stands a better chance of doing well that way. Peter. Yeah. Do you want to get weird? I want to get really, really weird. Let me stack my papers. Oh just stack. I've stood mine up vertically yeah, for people listening at home. It's really good. Yeah, I can do that a lot now. It's really good. I'm yeah. getting ready. Anyway, it's time to, for weird news. It's weird.
2: A lot can happen in the next 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.
1: Peter. Yeah. It's time for weird news. It is. I've got a weird news for you, Pete. Okay. Are you Everyone stop the
3: presses. Ben's got something weird.
1: <clears throat> this comes from Polygon. Yeah. Thomas the Tank Engine mod got Skyrim player in legal trouble. Oh
3: god, we all know this. I mean, it's quite a famous mod, isn't it, the Thomas one? It, it is. It's it got shared a lot on YouTube. So and it's just spreading from game to game has, now, the Thomas mod. Has the the estate of uh reverend Thomas Esquire what's his name reverend something I know
1: who you're talking about the
3: guy who done Thomas no it's not actually who designed the the stories of the Isle uh, Isle of Sodom
1: the Isle of Sodor and Guerrero yeah Guerrero the tradition of adding Thomas the Tank Engine to video games started with Skyrim back in 2013, when Kevin Brock put the blue locomotive in Bethesda's fantasy game. Mm. While the cameo has become a meme now, the joke's explosion apparently got the modder in hot water with Mattel, the toy giants who own Thomas's image. Oh, they own his image. Yeah, mm. according to Brock, the Skyrim mod got him in so much trouble, and that the and that uh, sorry, and that attention followed him across other Thomas the Tank Engine mods that he made. Oh no, Mattel pretty much want me dead at this point. Brock says it's the reason why the Fallout 4 mod can't be found on any normal website. Sure enough, if you run a search for the Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, sorry, for Thomas the Tank Engine on on Nexus, the largest distributor of Bethesda mods on the internet, absolutely nothing comes up for Fallout 4, although Skyrim's Thomas mod is still up. Similarly, if you click on links for old stories on the internet that previously led to the mod, nothing comes up. (sighs) Apparently, Mattel sent its lawyers after Brock after the Skyrim mod blew up. We reached out to Mattel but the company did not respond in time for publication. Mm. It was some intermediary law firm based out of Macedonia saying how I (laughs) diminished the brand of Thomas by showing him blowing up. Although nothing about him violently murdering people, yeah, Brock said they issued takedown notices on the video for it. The first time it got taken down. The second time, YouTube told them it was covered under parody law with no prompting from me. So that was nice.
3: uh, Is that the only time YouTube? That's the only time YouTube stood
1: up for Thomas (laughs) the Tank Engine. Uh, It was some intermediary intermediary law firm based out of Macedonia saying how I diminished the brand of Thomas for showing him blowing Blowing up.
3: Yeah, not just replacing a dragon with him and having no. having him breathe fire and uh god Ugh. that's quite something.
1: But I wonder what they thought of the uh, the Mr. X
3: Resident Well, yeah, Evil that's one. what I was
1: going to say. The story goes on to say, you know, that one I don't think was created by Brock. No, he's um, probably
3: stopped now at this point.
1: But uh the, the, the train just keeps on rolling, so to speak. Yeah, and you will Mr. X Thomas the tank engine mod and other things it will just continue to happen. Woo woo. Um and Mattel I don't think are gonna do anything about it. But I just thought that was kind of amazing. <laughs> Thomas Fantastic. blowing up. Peter, what you got? I'm
3: not even sure that does count as parody, actually. I think that's that's quite tenuous. If someone had, like, recreated a Thomas the Tank Engine episode in Skyrim, mm. that would maybe be parody. But just
1: putting him in the game right. is not actually parody. I suppose it's because they were claiming the video rather than the mod. So as far as YouTube's concerned, mm. this person has made a video with Thomas the Tank Engine in it, and that's considered parody. Because it's kind of making fun Legally, of it starts to get a little confusing because they're not coming after him for, like releasing the mod or right. people playing the mod or the popularity of the mod they're coming after him because he recreated when he recreated thomas's image in the game that was him basically breaking as far as they were concerned like the, ruining the, the image yeah yeah it's not that he then what people did with that no it's the act of it's like me drawing a picture of you and then sending it to someone who's going to put you in a film it's like you can't sue the film, but you can come after me for for copying your likeness without your permission. Yeah, the legally it starts to get quite murky there, and it's like who's to blame and so on.
3: Especially if in the picture that you drew, I'm like punching a cat. Or exactly. You know. Yeah. It's... Or
1: in the film, they they make you blow up.
3: Yeah, but then I kind of feel that like that's not your fault if in the film they make. No, but that's anyway true. That's the whole point, isn't it? That it's it is confusing. quite muddy water. Yeah. But as far
1: as YouTube's concerned, if if a video's uploaded with Thomas in. That's parody yeah. because they're claiming the video, not the IP
3: of Thomas. Should we just do that going forward? Should we just, every time we want to use something in <laughs> copyright, let's just use Thomas because we know that that's yeah, fine. Yeah, because they
1: can't touch us. There's precedent. There, there. is precedent. Legal YouTube, precedent. YouTube, YouTube will, well, YouTube's done us no favours in the past. I don't know if they would protect us, really. Ben. Yeah. This just in,
3: Yeah. Ubisoft insists Splinter Cell confirmation tweet is just a joke. <laughs> it's all right, it's just a joke. It's just a, jo- it's just a, a prank, just a prank bro. bro. It's just a prank. Over the past 24 hours or so, the Splinter Cell fandom has had to endure a rollercoaster of emotions, <laughs> according to Kotaku. Uh, with E3 just a few short weeks away, a tweet from Ubisoft's creative director has left fans confused about whether or not we might see a new Splinter Cell game announced next month in LA. Hmm. Uh it all started with the above tweet from creative director Julian Garaiti. I, I think. I'm not really sure. What do you think that is? Garaiti, ger, Geraghty. Geraghty. I don't think it's that. Geraghty. Who would theoretically be in a position to know if there was a new unannounced Splinter Cell game in the works. Uh, his tweet seemed to very casually announce a new Splinter Cell. It says, there's a photo of him mm-hmm. uh, with some, some, some guy. A man. A man. Uh, Dan... Dan Hey, hey now. You're a rock You're star. You're a rock star, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Damn, damn, he now. Yeah. Uh, working on the next hashtag Splinter Cell with at Dan Haynow and at Romka in Leon. Can't wait for E3. Crossover with the crew too with at Fergus. Only missing at Ghost Recon and at Rainbow Six Game, but on their way. And then. Wow. And, but in one of the photos, they've got some very large glasses of wine, which might be key to this, to, to this, to li- to this, this lie tweet. Yeah. Where he just said, Yeah, working on new Splinter Cell. Um, his tweet seemed to very casually announce the new Splinter Cell, with many assuming it was a slip-up brought on by the wine being drunk in one of the images. <laughs> uh, Julian then went on to tweet shortly after, okay, please don't retreat, retweet, I may be in trouble. Oh, no. Um, but he didn't delete
1: the original that's weird they, now that sort of gets my uh conspiracy senses yeah going off maybe as if they're almost wanted to either drum up excitement some or sort of viral do a do a sort of litmus test for interest yeah true um, yeah. but that's that's not a subtle way of doing it, No, way, and is it's there. a bit
3: of a mean way to do it to the to the fans who love the game so much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this led many to assume that it must be a joke, but a very poorly thought out one. Mm. Uh, if it is indeed just a joke, it's tough to see what the expected punchline was. A prominent person in the know pretends a well-liked game series is getting a much-wanted sequel in order to get fans' hopes up ahead of E3 for no reason. If it was a joke, it seems like the kind that Geraghty might end up in a little trouble Gerig over. Hutt-y. Yeah, uh, in a comment to PC Gamer, uh, Ubisoft, a Ubisoft and Ubisoft, Ubisoft uh, spokesperson claimed the tweets were nothing more than a joke. "Quote: Julian was obviously joking, as Julian likes to do. It looks like our creative directors are having a fun, <laughs> having fun right now. We do not have any announcements to make at this time."
1: You said that in the right way as well. Yeah, then. <laughs> like they're having fun. Right. They have, just having they're a bit having of fun, fun right, right now. now. Fire
3: him. Uh, still, some are hoping this is a rehearsed marketing act to get yes. people excited for E3. This would perhaps explain why the tweet has not been taken down and wouldn't uh, contradict with Ubisoft's statement that it doesn't have anything to announce at this
1: time. It's just such a mess. If it is a, a subtle marketing ploy, it's such a messy one. Yeah, like that tweet is is a disaster from start to finish. Like you were struggling to read that out. I was. It Doesn't really make a lot of it's sense. Full of Crossing over with ads. all of the different. Ubisoft games, like what? What are they even doing there? Like it's weird. They they absolutely would have asked him to take it down immediately Mm -hmm. if there was something he shouldn't have said. And if there is absolutely no truth to it whatsoever, and he was just BSing for fun, I imagine he would have taken it down. Yeah. So the reason it's, you know, the fact that it's up at all means that there is definitely something else going on here, whatever that may be. Yeah, but they don't have to pretend like, oops, he got a bit
3: drunk and says something he shouldn't have done. Like when, when they the finally... The French
1: and wine, am I right? <laughs> well, yeah.
3: Oh. When Ubisoft finally um, wanted to sort of tease Beyond Good and Evil 2... What they did was they got Michel Ancel, who is effectively the the equivalent person in this in this case, a
1: bottle of wine.
3: Well, they got him a bottle of wine and they got him to tweet uh, or Instagram.
1: He doesn't have every, a Twitter. Every every single. Of course, you know he doesn't have yeah, a Twitter. Well, every, yeah, well, yeah. Every tagging every single one of the <laughs> Ubisoft franchises. We're crossing over with Assassin's Creed, Rabbits.
3: Uh, they got him to just put um, some concept art on Instagram with a character that looked like it probably could be from Beyond Good and Evil universe, but wasn't. We weren't quite sure. Mm. And I think he just said something like, you know, com- coming to E3, an old friend or something like that. And that, you know, that's like that drums up hype. It that's does. Hard. He didn't then put another post out going, "Oops, might be don't in share trouble." That. Oh
1: no! I had too much wine. Did a load of coke with at. Ezio yeah. off of Assassin's Creed. So, hashtag
3: YOLO. If you're gonna do that, just get the creative director to do a little a teasy tweet. You know, yeah, like, like little the teezums. Like the billboard and and the road that was posted for Borderlands 3. Exactly. No? Exactly. You
1: don't need to like this is it's crap, isn't it? It's just really crap. If I was a Splinter Cell fan, I'd be so furious yeah, at how, at how crap this is. Now. Yeah, it's rubbish, isn't it? The whole thing is just bad from really top to bottom. really bad, yeah. Well, that was weird. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, it was pretty weird. Uh, we got a we got a duo combo question here. We can rattle through the first one, but it relates to PlayStation's State of Play, their second State of Play livestream. Is it State of Play? Yeah, State of yeah, Play. Yeah, State of Play livestream, which was way bigger
3: than the first one. I've noticed the two people asking these questions. Between them have four first names. Are you, are you going to be okay reading them, or do you want me to do Are you going to trigger yourself? Jessica James and Rob Clark, thank you for your questions. Thank you. Ben, would you like to read one or both? Uh,
1: I'll read the first one. Okay. Uh, Jessica James asks, did you watch PS State of Play? Out of ten with 10 being the only option available how excited are you for the medieval remake and I've written down here 4 out of 100 I was going to say <laughs> take zero, that medieval right. is that what you're going to I don't I just don't four, care about medieval honest. I don't care about medieval. it was going to be 4 out of 10 and then I I didn't even think about it and I wrote another 0 on the end Yeah. so it became 4 out of 10 probably pound. more accurate yeah. uh, and Rob Clark asks
3: Final Fantasy 7 remake is staying episodic but with the story as large and bizarre as the original do you think such a format can work also do you foresee changes for a story that includes cross-dressing to a he's a seedy gangster, a perpetuated black stereotype and wild cards like a cat riding a giant plushie and a genetically mutated wolf companion. Remember that bit where you get into the hot tub with all the men?
1: Oh boy do I. And they call, they say stay with daddy, daddy's lonely. Oh no, lonely. don't 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 leave. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's an odd, it's an odd bit, isn't it? Um I
3: I'm um, less excited for Medieval since they showed it as State of Play. Did you sh- really? see the dire frame rate
1: in that trailer? You probably didn't even watched the trailer. Oh, I did I didn't, you? I didn't. I was watching it, but I didn't pay much it, like I just don't I do not understand Medieval. The like official, I don't get it. The, the official trailer from PS State of Play with uh footage that was captured from a
3: PS4 the Pro. Date of this play. It was really choppy. And I talked about this a little bit in my um live stream on on i can't remember if it was on friday or monday but uh, mm. at the time of recording but uh we it was just off the back of state of play it had just come out and i was asking the audience what they were excited for and i was like was it just me or was it really choppy and they i didn't really get many answers regarding the frame rate but since mm. then i've seen uh, i've looked up the video on youtube and all the comments are saying yeah this is like this is really bad capture That's in weird. your official trailer so I'm assuming it probably will run properly. They're not going to release it if it's going to be like that. But it's no. not a
1: good way to market your game. And that's a shame as well because this is the first remake. Is it the first remake that PlayStation are handling themselves because obviously Crash and Spyro like it's not theirs anymore. Shadow of the Colossus? Shadow of the Colossus yeah that's true they did Shadow of the Colossus but that was a PS2 game Mm. I don't know I'm talking like sort of seminal right big nostalgia franchises from early PlayStation days two of them are here Mm. Final Fantasy 7 remake was shown off after being away for for a very long time yeah um, and also medieval Uh, but you know Final Fantasy 7 remake isn't theirs and isn't being made by them yeah and I I think medieval is the maybe the only one from the ps1 days that they're doing themselves i
3: think they're, they're yeah they're they're publishing it i'm sure i don't know who's developing
1: it but it's probably one of their uh... i'm not sure either but in terms of my hype levels i, no, d- I just i just teams. i don't understand the excitement about medieval it was not
3: <sighs> i i enjoyed it at the time um i don't know if i'm actually particularly excited for the remake because i think it I don't know. It just, uh, it kind of looks like the sort of game that's not going to translate well onto modern consoles. I think Crash and Spyro, you know, the 3D platformer still exists. I mean, I know not as many of them get made nowadays, but like, you know, Knack 2, I'm told, like they'd they'd sort of finally got the Knack Certainly, compared to the first one anyway right um, sure i don't know who told you that right well you know I've, i mean it's fine i've heard it's it, not
1: a good game i'm though. not saying
3: it's a good game but it's like it's you worse know, than most it plays well or it you know it shows that the 3d platformer can still exist and ukulele right. as well i didn't think was great but like the problems with it weren't it being a 3d platformer is mm. my point that's and, true you know crash and spyro i think both worked pretty well as well but medieval is not really a platformer it's like a hack and slash but with a kind of ps1 gloss over it and i kind of feel like the hack and slash games today are the likes of god of war or like yeah you know it it i don't know if it's going to war has changed hasn't it yeah war has changed so i don't think you can do the kind of hack and slash you'd have what i'm saying is you have to do Um, some pretty satisfying, enjoyable combat if you're doing a hack and slash. You need, like, attacks where, you know, there's all sorts of flashing lights and Mm -hmm. and numbers on screen and uh, loads of enemies fall down in one single strike and Medieval didn't play like that.
1: I think it's just a weird... A weird one to, to remake mm. really you know if they were going to because d- I'm hesitant to call it niche but certainly that wasn't the games that me and my friends were playing on PS1 that right. wasn't the ones we were all talking about we are talking about Spyro and yeah. we were talking about Crash and Crash Team Racing and Final Fantasy and Metal Gear Solid and all that kind of stuff Yeah, it just seems like a weird one out of the franchises that Sony still owns I don't know. I can't really name one off the top of my head and I know obviously Jessica is a fan. Yeah. And there are fans and they've been asking for it and fair enough but it still seems really weird for it to be getting like primed. I feel almost annoyed yeah. <laughs> that it's getting so much treatment. I'm, nice treatment. I'm okay with it. I will play
3: it and I'm I'm happy for any PS1 era game to come out and be remade and hopefully do well because then you know the more of those that come out and do well the more of them that they will make and you know yeah. i love my ps1 and i'd love to s- see more but um you know i'm not i'm not like super stoked I, th- I don't think it looks particularly well done unfortunately
1: let us know in the comments yeah. uh speaking of things being remade and the potential troubles that that uh that, that therein lies yeah uh final fantasy 7 so it was always final fantasy 7's remake was going to be episodic at least three parts basically mm. and there are three discs so it kind of makes sense i suppose but that's a weird one, because the three discs were necessary, yeah, because the, they could only fit so much on them. it wasn't because here's a good place to to put a cliffhanger because the third disc wasn't that long, right um so they would really have to and and again it's weird because you' like I'm just trying to think about how it would work, and again, this is all this all ties into them trying to get the game to make sense on modern consoles because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of design choices in there that were because of limitations yeah um but you know you get released into the open world after a a weighty intro section from the first game and it's like oh my god this is amazing i can go anywhere Mm -hmm. i can do anything within reason um and you want to be you want to be going into that open world to level up and to explore and to find items and things like that and if the game say part 1 comes to an end at a particular story point what's to stop you from knowing when the story point comes and just to like grind endlessly in in the in the open world so that by the time the second part rolls around, presumably you resume your save and then mm. you're like ridiculously overleveled because you've had nothing to do for a year while the second part's been com- Like it just, there's going to be loads of weird balancing issues that arise from them having an open world where you can do what you want and then cutting you off when you reach a certain story point. Yeah, it's like... I don't really know how that's going to that could totally mess up the experience for the rest of the game if they just let you. But then, do they stop you from going into the open world? Do they just get rid of it? Like, I don't, I don't know how it would work. Yeah, it's like
3: to to mention a, another niche uh, PS One game, a la Medieval. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know the the Toby games, the pink haired oh, yeah, yeah. wild man. Uh, I had a demo for Toby One. I think a lot of people did. It was on one of those demo One discs, and that had. A definite end point if you got up to like the top of the mountain and spoke to the old man the demo would end mm-hmm. but they actually included i think pretty much the whole like first level uh with all of the sort of side missions and like extra quests and things you could do and you could actually get a lot of playtime out of that demo there was like yeah. seriously like a lot in fact no it went further than that like you went up the mountain and then there was a whole second area as well really? and i i honestly could have got like an hour or two out of that demo Just doing Mm -hmm. actual missions and stuff. And it's that kind of thing where I would deliberately, obviously, not go to the the final main quest on that demo because then the demo ends. So it would kind of encourage me to run around just doing everything else, which in a way is a good thing. But like you say, people are gonna be like almost avoiding the final part of this
1: Yeah. And taking themselves out episode one. I mean even Final Fantasy VII itself, I had a save file on PS1 that was in the final cave where you fought Ultra Separoth. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that you could leave the cave by backtracking all the way back out again because it was a real journey to get there. Right, And then that I could just go back into the open world with the, the threat of the end of the world looming, knowing that it would never come unless I went into the cave. Mm. So I could just go and do all the side stuff I didn't know existed because I was, you know, a child yeah. um, or, a, or a young teenager. And and I just put off ever playing the end of the game. It's like, that's weird. Why would they... Anyway, so that's, that's something they've got to consider. Then, of course, there's all the sorts of other stuff like as it says here the the cross-dressing there's how on earth are they going to handle
3: that the bumblebee girls
1: who are kind yeah. of yeah is that sort of a brothel or
3: is it like a strip
1: club or? not really sure there's also that that boxing club where they're all sort of i think kind of uh like there's there's sort of like a weird dominatrix vibe in right. there even though they're they call they call each other brother and sister which is super weird uh, not to kink shame, but that's strange that's uh, illegal. In, in a game, at least that, that doesn't that isn't about that kind of thing. It's a weird left turn. That mm. whole town is strange. Um, and then, yeah, you've got the you've got um, Barrett, who is quite controversial now because people have realized that when you give him a voice, actually, he's kind of a one note character that yeah, doesn't he's a little bit. He's not very, you know, he's got a lot of lot to his story, but at least from the way he speaks and, you know, all that kind of stuff like there's people aren't too happy about that either. but some games
3: have been game like modern games still sort of do that character i think like what's yeah. his name the, i think um, cole, the cole the coal train out of uh gears of war is a little bit
1: one-dimensional he's, he's a bit stereotyped yeah
3: stereotypical i
1: mean barrett definitely has some fantastic story development like he's he's a really deep and interesting character mm-hmm. so from that regard i think he's he's safe and of course as two very white boys it's difficult to 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 put forward an argument either way on this because we're just going to upset loads of people yeah <laughs> so it's it's a topic that i don't think shouldn't be discussed but i don't know if it should be discussed by us necessarily maybe not um, i don't know um, but it's just yeah i i see i see what people are saying anyway when when they're saying that he's a bit of a stereotype um then, of course, yes, there is a cat riding a giant plushie. Mm. How on earth is that going to look? Um, and a genetically mutated wolf companion. I think that would be okay. But certainly there are parts of the game that I remember, especially the Golden Saucer, which is an in-game or an, uh, an in-world um, sort of theme park. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where you, you go on a date with, with one of the party members. yeah, And you get accidentally sucked into performing in like a live play. Right. But the, oh yeah, I've but seen the anim- that. the animations are super weird and like they they are funny intentionally because of the blocky graphics. Mm-hmm. And if they did that sincerely with good graphics it would be like this is crap. It's a bit sort of doesn't really weird, make sense it? Yeah. like it only worked because they were working with what they had. Mhm. So there's a lot of questions there. Um, I'm st- I'm I'm glad it's alive as one of my very favorite games ever. I'm yeah. glad the remake exists. It's clearly gone through a lot of changes since we last saw it. Um, but I have no idea how it's going to turn
3: out. The combat looks, at least in part, non-turn based. I don't know if they're going to blend mm. the two, but like it's, it's certainly some of the earlier um, stuff that they released. There was a lot of
1: swinging swords just. On the fly, like Kingdom Hearts style. Yeah, it might be. It might be going a Final Fantasy fifteen route, yeah. which I won't be mad at. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely got to adapt, but it's also got to do it sensibly because otherwise, it just won't be the game that it was. Just a very quick one before we move on from
3: State of Play. Are you remotely excited for a predator based asymmetric multiplayer game?
1: D- make it a battle royale, and we'll talk. Hey, hey. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know anything about that game they didn't show any show me the gameplay first yeah i it mean looks like evolve
3: i said well exactly i said on the stream that was one thing we talked about that like has any asymmetric multiplayer game really done particularly well at this point there's evolve and then there's those have you seen that one where you play as like uh, stereotypical movie villains like i don't think they've got any licensed images but you basically play as like jason Voorhees. Or oh someone. yeah
1: friday the 13th
3: Oh, yeah, no, sorry, there's, oh, there's two. A the 13th, so there is, there's a Friday the 13th one, and then there's another one where it's basically the same game, but you're oh, just okay. sort of generic urban, urban legend murderer man.
1: Sort of like a one versus all kind of deal. Exactly, yeah, yeah. and that's
3: what I think this Predator is going to be like. There's like one Predator and four Marines or whatever. Yeah, I don't uh, know about having a whole game. That I don't know just if that, those but... games have ever really done well, or like as well as other genres anyway that'll so. do
1: well if it goes on games with gold or playstation plus yes yeah, that sort then of thing. it'll have a player base for like a good few weeks mm. and then some people will stick around and some people won't i don't see games like that having a long shelf life i really don't
3: yeah
1: anyway that thank you very much for, th- for those questions it's mm. time peter for a really big a huge discussion yes big discussion time Mm -hmm. Peter, this comes from Patricia Bousquet, I want to say. Patricia Biscuit. Patricia Biscuit. Immediately. Sorry, Patricia. A U.S. senator has proposed legislation that would ban loot boxes and pay-to-win mechanics in games that are marketed towards children. Do you think this kind of legislation would be good for the industry overall, or do you think that consumer backlash—sorry, uh, do you think the consumer backlash that some companies have faced—is enough to control it from happening too much? That's a very good question, Patricia. Thank you very much. It's a great question. Uh, so this is the BBC article. Sort of reporting on the story. I don't know if you want to read this, peeps.
3: Yeah, um, Republic Senator Josh Hawley said one of his uh, said of his proposed protecting children from abusive games bill, uh, when a game is designed for kids, game developers shouldn't be allowed to monetize addiction. Quite a strong choice of choice of words there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when kids play games designed for adults, they should be walled off from compulsive microtransactions. Game developers who knowingly exploit children should face legal consequences. In a statement, the Entertainment Software Association, ESA, said that numerous countries, including Ireland, Germany, Denmark, Australia, and the UK, had determined that loot boxes were not akin to gambling. We look forward to sharing with the senator the tools and information the industry already provides that keeps the control of in-game spending in pa- uh, parents' hands, it said. Parents already have the ability to limit or prohibit in-game purchases with easy-to-use parental controls. The ESA has previously said that efforts to regulate the gaming industry threatened its freedom to innovate and test new business models. Uh, but I think this is the most interesting interesting thing. It's just mm. because some countries have said uh, that it's not gambling. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand... This is back to the article. Last month, the government of Belgium said loot boxes were in violation of its gambling laws. Sweden is also investigating them. And the
1: Chinese government has restricted the number of loot boxes players can open each day. So, so. I am in two minds about this, Peter. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to get caught up in the, the, Fu- the right uh, furor uh, surrounding Star Wars Battlefront 2 and all that crap. Yeah, Because it was so vehemently anti-consumer that it was kind of disgusting. Mm. It just it just broke their own game, ruined enjoyment, people were already playing, you know, paying full price for this game. Yeah. It was despicable and it shouldn't be allowed. This is purely apparently for the protection of children. Mm. And that's what this bill would do. It would be for the protection of kids. It wouldn't be protecting us from crappy business practices. No. They will still find a way to monetize these things if if they're banned. What is more powerful, as Patricia says is to continue the consumer backlash and not buy them and voice our concerns uh, in order to make companies realise that hey, if we're going to do things like this that are that are just obviously anti-consumer, mm-hmm. then people aren't going to support our games. Now it's great to see, you know, especially with all the stuff when Battlefront Two blew up. Yeah, there's it's almost like yeah, go government, you know, telling them no, yeah. you can't do this, but. This is why I'm in two minds. On the one hand, yes, it's great. They've got to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the government is now getting more involved in the regulation of video games, which is probably not a good thing. And on uh, yet another hand, you didn't even realize you had. The third hand says, these companies are just going to find another way to do this crap. Mm. Uh, So it's, it's difficult because objectively, you look at this and you think, well... You know, a, a, a thing that bans the things I hate, that's great. Yeah. But really, what you want to do is change minds. It's kind of like difficult political situations where someone may have been raised to believe one thing that that is not actually that great. Yeah. You don't want to say... Legally, you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. As g- as great as that is, just a blanket ban on it. What you really want to do is engage with them and talk to them so and explain why mm-hmm. it's not good. Yeah, um, I mean, this was my my thought is that like if this was,
3: if this was for video game violence, hmm. and they said, uh, EA. Um, that Star Wars game that you released where um, people's heads come off. There's no such thing, but just imagine the was. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, Ragtag. Ragtag. You know, in Ragtag, where you can chop that man's willy right off, uh, we don't want you doing that because kids play your game and that shouldn't be allowed. Mm-hmm. So we're introducing legislation that you can no longer include blood in video games or dismemberment. Yeah, yeah. We would be, me and you would be up in arms saying, yeah. you can't step in and start doing that because, mm-hmm. and the argument would be, it's up to the parents, I've always believed, mm-hmm. to stop children playing these games. I played games that I shouldn't have been playing as a kid, but I don't think I don't blame the I mean for one thing, I don't have any traumatic memories of it and I don't right. I don't think it's made me want to, you know, go and do bad things to nice people. But if if I if I did have some some trauma from it, mm. I don't think it would really be the developers' fault or the publishers' fault. No. I think it would be my parents' fault for not checking up on what I was doing. You watch the news? News is pretty harrowing. That's what my uncle said. My gaming uncle, who I talk about all the time. Right. uh, He was the one who would show me these bad games. And he'd be a little bit like, oh, yeah, maybe don't tell your dad that you're watching this. Right. But I could blame him and be like, why were you showing me this stuff? Mm -hmm. But he's always said to me when I talk to him about video game violence, he's like, what about the news? Like, you know, that's on... Uh, like s- several times a day, there's BBC News 24 News Round, CBBC News Round, mm. yeah. Children's Television in the UK. They would, I mean, they would dumb it down a little bit, but they would talk about like they would say the top stories is that, and stuff. Yeah, like soldiers have been killed in Afghanistan today, and it happens, and yeah. stuff is out there, and it's about like having a responsible adult making sure that their child is not being exposed to stuff, not exactly. not stopping anything bad that a child could ever be exposed to being produced.
1: So the ESA have, as they have rightly said there are already things parents can do steps parents can take to yeah. to protect them from these things. These microtransactions they they and these these loot boxes and so on these pay to win mechanics they they are predatory they really are mm. and they should be curbed. But I'm hesitant to say that Go this government. is this is the way to do it because yeah. you know this is this could just be a, a one small step into a much more troubling area. Yeah, it's almost like amputating your leg once you've stubbed your toe. Like mm-hmm. it, there are, I feel like the consumers have, and they've proven it time and time again in other ways. Sonic, for example, they have a lot of power, mm-hmm. and if they don't like something, and they make and they shout loud enough about it, companies do listen. Yeah, and as as I said, you know, if if they if they just blanket ban this stuff they're just going to look for other crappy ways to monetize this stuff. Whereas if we say we don't like crappy monetization full stop, they will have to pay attention eventually. And a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them relish in the fact and get cheers and applause uh, at conferences when they announce their games and say that they're not going to have microtransactions in them. Companies know that we don't like this Mm -hmm. stuff. And if we get governments involved, then, you know, obviously Belgium has already said it's in violation. But, you know, that's not, that's one country, yeah. I would argue. Rather than if if the entire world said no to loot boxes, mm-hmm. companies would always find something else to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 difficult. Mobile games, I'd say, are far worse oh, than the yeah. kind of games that you or I play. And protections absolutely do deserve to be in place on there, but do not confuse free to play mobile games for full. Console experiences.
3: I think, like, really... Or PC experiences. The way it should work is that if if there's going to be in-game microtransactions, it should be linked to a credit card. Because you mm. can't get a credit card if you're under... I mean, I suppose it depends what country you're in, but 16, 18. Right. Um, and I kind of think that, in that respect, a child can't go on to their Fortnite and start paying for, like, custom skins and things like that. They just physically yeah. can't. Um, if you link, if you foolishly link your credit card and save the information, remember right. me, to the game, then that's your lookout, isn't it, as a parent, yeah. you know? Your kid is then going to maybe go to the store and just empty your account. But I don't think that they should, they should just make it so essentially only an adult or someone with an adult's assistance can do that. And yes. that that's... That's all you need. And maybe that is, you know, what most games are going to be doing going forward. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you're right. I think it's not so much about, oh, yeah, I really hope the government start intervening and they ban loot boxes. Blanket I think, bans are bad. Yeah, they are bad. And it is it is more about, you know, it should come down to the consumer. And, you know, you, you, we talk about um, uh, Star Wars Battlefront. There was... A bit of a backpedal on on the part of EA in the wake of like all the all the bad stuff. It We've heard
1: you loud and clear.
3: Yeah. Well, it, unfortunately, it didn't stop them entirely, and you still have to spend in-game credits to unlock characters, which I'm pretty sure you can still buy using real money. Right. I don't know if you can actually. That might not be. Yeah, I think you can. But um, in any case, they they heard us loud and clear for a time Mm -hmm. they've not completely backtracked on it and I suspect if Battlefront 3 ever comes out they will still include some kind of uh, thing like that but um, they at
1: least acknowledged that they were in the wrong and they know that they're on record now saying we know you do not like this Um, and a lot of games don't include stuff like that as a result Mm -hmm. you know um, Rage 2's just come out and it does include that which is crap and if you want to find out more about Rage 2 we just did uh, we did a quip scope earlier in the week and the uh, live stream should now be live if you yeah. want to see more about that that came out this week um crash team racing
3: has recently uh, announced this week at time of recording that there's going to be loads of like skins and um car customization and stuff like that i'm convinced that there's going to be
1: microtransactions because they're uh, aesthetic. they will almost certainly be as long as they're not game changing yeah, you I don't know. think they're gonna be like but that. Even but so, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you wanna be able to earn in game as a reward. Yeah. That's I don't wanna like Fallout seventy six got a lot of uh flack and rightly so for its crappy uh, atomic shop. Yeah. And you earn atomic points by just doing various things in game, mm-hmm. uh challenges and so on. I never paid any real money for it. It's mainly the price of it, like yeah. to buy these these atoms. You know, you're buying costumes that were in Fallout 4. That's the thing that hurts the most. Mm. Is like they're they're actively siphoning away content yeah. that you should otherwise be getting. And that's why the Borderlands games were always so good. Is that you'd get loads of these skins as you played through the game mm-hmm. for completing challenges and stuff. And now it sounds like that you're going to buy those now. Yeah, I mean, which sucks. I, I like
3: should, I should clarify, unconfirmed about you know CTR oh, okay. being being microtransactions, but uh, certainly there's unlockable skins and cart pieces and stuff. And maybe they'll all be unlockable just in the game by progressing through. But I'm concerned that because they're, um, uh, you know, just... I don't think they affect the gameplay, but because they're... Uh, cosmetic is the word I'm looking for. Yes. Those are invariably tied to microtransactions in most games. So... They are. That's my worry.
1: I'm I'm not so mad at the idea if you're able to earn the currency in-game, and it's not an no. unfair grind to yeah, get this stuff. Fine. But uh, I, I, still, I still do not like the idea of having to pay for stuff that I feel like... If it's available from launch, then that should be part of the game I'm buying. Yeah. Um, I totally get buying season passes for big game expansions that they're going to continue to work on or they have planned you know they're not ready to go at launch You're Just funding the dlc exactly yeah. i don't that that's okay but yeah there's there are ways that that this can be gone about and i agree that children need to be protected from this kind of stuff and you know maybe maybe the esa stepping up even further and providing greater restrictions on what you know how how these things are uh, accessed by children yeah. is necessary, but I don't think blanket bans are the way forward, no. uh, really. And that's on some reflection over the last couple of years, because I was I was in there with the angry mob. A lot of us were, mm. we're just like, yeah, go government, take them down. Just blanket ban. Screw these guys. Uh. But really, when you think about it, what are we what are we doing? Yeah, we're I thought was probably making it worse.
3: I thought it was a victory when certain countries were saying, oh, we're going to investigate this now because this seems like gambling. I was like, yeah, yeah.
1: Take that. And say, oh, but hang on. Actually, no, because now, you know, we've already got the SRB yeah. uh, that they can regulate that fine, actually. But uh, yeah, it's not great, is it? Yeah. It's all a disaster. It's it's a crappy situation of the game publisher's own making. Mm. But as consumers, we have to think long term here. Do we want to fix now with, with weirder, perhaps more problematic issues further down the line? Mm. Or do we want to slowly work through these issues and hopefully get a, just a better experience for everyone? Yeah, yeah there we go let us know what you think in the comments below uh there'll be links to everything we've spoken about in the link dump yes there will uh in the description as well thank you so much Mm -hmm. for listening peter where can people find us if they want to they can find us at team
3: triple jump on all the social medias of choice that's Mm. our youtube channel our twitch channel is that the word channel yeah it is yeah twitter facebook Patreon as well, where you can support us financially. And there's all kinds of tiers, such yeah. as viewing worst games ever early Ooh. and uh, being able to ask questions on this very podcast. Yeah. Um, w- uh, the podcast itself is at play.acast.com slash s slash triple
1: jump. Nice. Not, not team triple jump. No, we can't change that.
3: And the website is triplejerp.mup. That's j dot and if you put slash shop on the end of that, that's the other way you can uh, help us out a little bit and get something in return. And by this shirt that I'm wearing. That shirt, I'm wearing a shirt. Oh, f- oh, there's the shirt Sorry. you had it yeah. zipped up,
1: covered away. And also your mug here that's behind Billy. Yeah. Oh, no, maybe you can see it. I can't really tell on the camera. So, so there yes, it is. There, yeah, yeah, you can see that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. One of the other rewards you can get on the Patreon is accessing our Discord. Yes,
3: it is. Which is uh, bit.ly forward slash team triple jump. Mm-hmm.
1: Speaking of that Discord, we'll probably be having another Discord chat with our patrons. Um, in the coming week or so, mm-hmm. so keep an eye out for that. If you are a patron supporter and you want to ask a question, or just listen in to a yeah. live, a live little chat on Friday, this Friday.
2: Yes. Mm. If you'd
1: like to follow us on Instagram at that Peter Austin at Ben Potter twenty, uh, we do lists every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, streams Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Monday and Tuesday are Twitch. Thursday is YouTube. Worst games ever is fortnightly. There's worst games that's just come out. Mm. If you're a patron and is out tomorrow at the time of release of this podcast i hope you look forward to that or have enjoyed that and that's wonderful thank you yeah. and there's a podcast every saturday please leave a review on iTunes if you can and finally thank you very much to our sponsor for this week Kratos' beard oil Kratos' beard oil it's uh it's uh, you only get half you only get half of it because he's actually used some it is kratos's beard oil mm-hmm. he's used a bit and he just wanted to ask us to he wanted to ask us to sell it for him because he didn't want to use all of it Kratos' is beard oil. Yeah. Is that? That's the that's the ad read. That's what it says on the paper. Okay. You see that, right? I see it there. It's on yours as well. Did so. they
3: just email you directly? Or... Yeah,
1: yeah, they said don't tell Peter. Okay. Um we'll we'll tell Peter to do the next one next week. Okay, so Kratos' is Beard Oil. Kratos' is Beard Oil sponsors uh, Triple Jump Podcast yeah. this weekend, this week only. Punch um, everyone except your, your uh, not kid. your kid, never yeah. the kid. Just the just, uh, anyway. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. Uh, have a nice weekend. Yeah.